you're fed up with the nine to five you've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want you want to break free from the traditional career but don't know how business breaks is here to help This is the Business Breaks podcast guest interview series with my very special guest, Zachary Italian, who is the founder of Village Help Desk, an international service provider headquartered in Philadelphia, specializing in customer evolution as a service, which deploys rapid, scalable customer support services for SaaS companies, utilizing a combination of infrastructure and digital technologies. Zachary is an operator of Publishing House, an international organization which produces meta-material and technical documentation for IT companies. Zachary is also an operations professional, heavily focused on customer success, analytics as a service, digital publication, and equality in personal and professional spaces. He also counts among his skills, VR eSports, IT, creative engineering, strategic partnerships, and blockchain. I'm also privileged and honored to count him as a personal friend of mine, as well as a very interesting conversationalist. So Zachary, welcome to Business Breaks. Thank you. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thank you. And so to get us started, tell me, how did your career develop into founding your own customer evolution as a service company? Through through years of need, really. So I started my quote-unquote career right as you know in high school as a contractor so i didn't have a typical nine to five job right off the bat i I went right for work that i really wanted to do so i had friends and and partners that were in promotional marketing they were doing modeling and promotional marketing so i started contracting with them and right from day one where the the years i was born and and what was going on everything was tech-based already so at every point in my career even the marketing side we always technology was used I, i did it through high school school. I helped the teachers with that as well. So customer experience and technology went hand in hand in every position I've ever had. And I already had mindset of going after something I wanted to do, something I wanted to make a difference in. So how it evolved into what I'm doing today now is leading teams using technology and and face-to-face interaction with guests and customers and and end users really showed me that there's a huge disconnect in the communication there. And ultimately, I think success in business comes down to very fluid and, and flowing communication. As humans, I don't think we can really move forward or evolve without communicating with one another. So I, I seen this this gap of communication that was happening from employees to the business I was working with to the end user of their ultimate customer that they wanted to achieve and, and earn. So all these years later, you know, through the marketing, evolving into doing different startup experiences, working with technology, I found the huge need for businesses to have someone, an organization that can come in and kind of mastermind that experience for their end users with their employees. So working with their already on-staff employees to get them better motivated, better educated, and better know-how to use the technology that they're using to ultimately do what they're trying to do. That might make more sense when I describe that the marketing company I was working for was Ogilvy and some project they were launching where, you know, VR headsets on site with customers. So we were pulling VR headsets with these promotion models, giving it to them, putting it on them and putting them through a virtual experience, which was different for on-site at, you know, we were doing conventions, we were doing restaurants, bars, anywhere that we could really find people that were looking for entertainment and giving them that experience. 
and that just evolved, right? So like working with these promotion models with their promotion models with their tech, I was very good handling, you know, this is how you do it. This is this is how we're gonna do things. This is the experience we can give people. So that moved up, right? So I started working with the managers and then I started running the the training for the manager. And then I started teaching the the higher ups, you know, how to better use this technology when facing customers and, and teaching them, you know, the experience that we're really trying to give them. So it was just a huge need that just developed over time as technology evolved, as, you know, environments changed, you know, especially just recently through COVID. Handling people and and creating experiences became a very tech-based thing. You know, most of right now, we're virtually meeting. We're we're very separate as far as where we are in the real world, but we're meeting over tech. But if we were to have an issue here, if something were to fail, if one of us were not know how to use one of these systems, it would create this a very difficult gap for us to the climb over to get this video finished right so you know through as tech evolved as i was working with these these systems and groups leading them and, and teaching them and making sure that they were able to use it in front of the customer successfully that's ultimately what brought me here today to where you know what we do as a service is we also we do serve it needs we we are a full it provider for a lot of our clients but how we originally first started was basically jumping into an organization, finding where they're at in their interactions with their customers and helping them evolve that using the technology that they had already been in place or replacing it and upgrading it into a different experience. That's really interesting. And so many things I can jump on there, but I guess sticking to the idea of there's a lot of change in business and that obviously creates creates new needs. Mm -hmm. So to that end, what do you think are the critical keys to success when leading customer experience transformation for your clients? Agility. Absolutely. Agility. Being able to pivot, being able to fail, I think is really important. So having a, a strong mindset and being very committed to a, an end goal, you know, not just a project goal, but like an end goal as an overall picture. So being persistent, being committed, and being honest with everyone you're working with and yourself. Part of Village Help Desk is my idea is it takes a village. IT takes a village, it takes a village, anything really takes a village. We need each other. So honesty, commitment, and just the persistence, really. Because you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to, you're dealing with people and technology. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be frustrations, there's going to be hard times, there's going to be things that knock you down, and your team down, and you got to be able to lead and, and show them that, there's a bigger picture that we're working towards. Absolutely. And uh, Village, I've always described it as a community, but yeah, Village is a is a more people-centered way of describing it, I think. Mm-hmm. And really insightful. And so I guess when you are leading a critical project with your team as an external resource, how do you influence the various project team members? Because they could come from both your client as well as your own team and from various, maybe even like other vendors. So how do you influence the various project team members so that the tasks are completed successfully? And by successfully, that would be for me as a project manager on time with the right level of quality. So I found a lot of success in simply being proactive. So asking questions, but being articulate with your questions, you know what I mean? Understand the issues that your team's facing, understand what's going on, because there's there's more factors than just the complexity of the work. And there's more factors than just maybe, you know, time constraints. Those time constraints might be stresses that do undo to your employees or your team or your, your vendors or anything might be really impacting ultimately their work and not to pry too much into, you know, like anyone personal space, I always try to engage in like some free, comfortable conversation in between things, just so I get to know them as like, you know, really deep level as people, how they see things, because you never, you never know, like the complexity might live in an insecurity that maybe they don't know, 
uh, or they don't, they think they don't know and they're scared to pursue, you know, saying an idea or giving an opinion and they're working on things that they might know not work in its entirety because that's their specialty. And I need them to be honest with me on that because there's people on my team that are way smarter than me. I try to keep my company above my own level because that's how I feel like I grow. So I make sure that my, who I'm around and the, the room I'm in, I'm, I'm always the least educated or the least intelligent person. So the people I end up getting to work with are, you know, very well put together, very, very smart, very intelligent people. And that comes with more complexity, like more complexity that comes with more, you know, stress that, that comes with people are not just numbers or hours clocked in They're you know, dynamic living things that make a huge difference in the projects and the teams that they're with. So how I've found really the most success in getting teams on point with making goals with, you know, being committed to a project and getting things done and, and making sure the quality is good is is really giving them an environment that fosters that like feeling for them. You know, they they want to be supported. They want to they want to know that they're doing good things. I want to know I'm doing good things. It's just so I encourage that. You know, we do team exercises like not to where we're on the camera doing jumping jacks together, but we engage in normal conversation just as much as we engage in not in business talk. You know, we have our meetings, but we're, we're all friends at the end of the day too. And where that's entirely like very, very hard to scale. We've been scaling it really well just through pure community, right? Like the way I look at it is the countries like that we live in, right? United States, not everyone in the United States lives together, but we have a general sense of community. So I'm sure the same goes for UK and, and other parts of the world, but there's, there's just as humans, we are very good at accepting general thoughts and we're very good at bringing, coming together as a whole. That's what separates us from the other animals. You know, you put a million people into a room, there's going to be wars, there's going to be fights, there's going to be arguments, but there's going to be a lot of love there too. And that's a lot different if you put a million lions into a room or a million monkeys into a room. So I, I like to emphasize on that human aspect of it. I think the original network is us. And I always say that, you know, the, we have the internet now and we can communicate over this, but the original network is people, you know, before all this, when you heard about someone, you heard it from someone else. If you knew about something, you knew it from someone else. So I like to play on that original neural network that we can build as humans and, and really just be people for our team. You know, come to us if you have issues. Don't feel scared. Don't like open door policy has really made a big difference. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, there's certainly there's people who connect on an individual basis, like you associate with people mm -hmm. who are very similar to yourself. But then on a fundamental level, we're all very much the same, I think, at the <laughs> human level. So, yeah, it's very interesting when you bring that, that yeah. when you bring that human dynamic to what is what can be. A very technical discussion it's, it's, it's i think it's a game changer so yeah really. we, we get lost in technicals i think a lot you know yeah. we're not we're i mean we have mathematical thinkers we have those people but we have art too right we have a complexity yeah. of humans that needs that expression when you get lost in the technicals i think it's easy to get caught up in the you know, I think as a as a whole worldwide, right, we're moving away from those kind of things. Like KPIs used to be, I mean, they're still huge, right? But a lot of people look at KPIs too as like a metric that is hard to put on someone or, you know, it's it's hard to, add, you can't put a KPI to everything. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's aspects of work and, and parts of just human dynamics that 
you can't really pinpoint a number two. It's just is, you know, can you be, put a mathematical equation to, you know, love or friendship? Can you put a, a mathematical equation to, you know, the, the feelings that you get in certain environments or atmospheres? I'm sure you could eventually, but it's, it's a lot easier just to kind of trust the neural network of humans and, and play with one another and, and get along. And, and it doesn't always work like that, right? There's, you have to enforce certain things, but I think the open door policy encourages the, the differences to come out in a way that it's respected. Because ultimately, we, we need people with differences. We need people that have, you know, contrasting views, that have contrasting agreement or considerations and things, um, because that's how growth happens. You take, you know, if you always, if you were always right, you would be miserable and I would be miserable. Ultimately, I don't care what anyone says. I, you, you have to go through failures. You have to bump heads and you have to learn to see other people's perspectives and the open door policy, the people that really do disagree on a lot of things, they come to an equilibrium of, and you said it kind of earlier. I like to say it this way is the one thing we all do have in common is that we're all different. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for that. That really brought to mind uh, an expression, not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. And uh, in terms of that connection, how do you achieve trusted advisor status with your clients? Showing up. <laughs> I show up. They call me, I pick up. They they need something. We're there. That's really how we achieve so we talked about this earlier i kind of laughed because in an interview i think it was with jeff bezos that's something that he said too he said um they said you know how did you because they, I mean, they do work for the department of justice i mean everyone department of defense they hold uh, financial records for a lot of institutions around the world and that's it takes a lot of trust especially if you understand what that really means that takes a lot a lot of trust and something that he had said was you know he Every time he said he was going to do something or him and his team were going to do something, they did it. And that gave me the chills, right? That was powerful because how many people throughout life do we experience that just stop showing up or that that aren't there when, you know, something's needed? And in business too, and, and, and in life in general, you know, a lot of respect goes to the ones that do show up because they're the ones there to get it. They're the ones there to be trusted. They did show up. They, they're doing the thing that needs to be done. So when I work with my clients and we work very close together, a lot of my clients are, you know, at this point, personal friends I would consider. And, you know, there's in the, in the breadth of it, in the growth of it, there's ones that are not, you know, it's just impossible to be that close with everyone, but they still trust me because when they say, um, they need something and I tell them that me and my team can do it. We do it. Awesome answer. <laughs> and yeah, it's simple. It's being consistent. Mm -hmm. It's being there. It's having integrity and, you know, just basically if you say you're going to do it, you do it. And mm -hmm. and that, that that's the basis of trust. Honesty. Yeah. Honesty is, uh, honesty is a funny thing to play with, man. You can't, yeah. you have to be true about it. It has to be something that you're passionate about because, you know, I've met really great people that ultimately just fell down because they made promises that they were never going to keep or couldn't mm -hmm. keep. They overextended themselves and they were never honest about it. And, you know, it's not always a malicious thing. Like honesty is not yeah. always, uh, dishonesty is not always a malicious thing. It could be, you know, nervousness. It could be the fact that someone is just really, really scared to fail. Maybe they can't fail. Maybe, maybe they're, what, everything that they position themselves, their income and everything like that, they really rely on this to keep their life where they need it to be and where they want it to be. So there's so many different complexities that goes into ultimately why someone would just maybe not be completely honest but it's hard because it's hard to admit yourself a lot of things but honesty is key well, there's, there's also the psychological safety and whether you feel comfortable pushing back on someone who may be a forceful personality as well right. so you yeah. end up over committing 
even mm -hmm. if it's or, or there's always a trick where you can say i just want an estimate but i want it like by by next week mm -hmm. and even though they know it's like four weeks worth of work they say yeah. okay we'll do our best and then <laughs> there's this it's it's also a cultural thing sometimes some people can't say no but they're trying to say no albeit indirectly and mm -hmm. then that's interpreted as a yes yeah and uh and that always uh that can fall down and then there's also this one of the one of the challenges I get with transformation is passive. Passive acceptance is worse than active resistance because that passive mm -hmm. acceptance is that assumption that people are going to do what they say they're going to do. And then mm -hmm. it doesn't happen because it wasn't a priority because they weren't really bought into it. And that, and then you end up having to, a setback and that can be quite painful, at least disappointing. But yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then kind of we hear growth mindset mentioned a lot. And what does that mean to you? And why is it so powerful? Growth mindset is incredibly powerful. But because of the word mindset, I think your mindset really determines everything. You will not be able to achieve what you want to achieve if you don't create a mindset that wants to achieve that. You have to be committed. Going back to honesty, you have to be honest with yourself. And it's hard because, you know, ultimately, when we're born and growing up, you know, everyone what's a question that a lot of people ask is like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? I mean, it's hard. Like today, right? Even today, I don't really know what I want to do. I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I don't know because there's, there's new experiences. Things change. We evolve. Things are supposed to change. A growth mindset is to me that is being able to change is understanding that there is change, that evolution is still a thing, that we still go through it every day. It never stopped. It never slowed down. If anything, it probably sped up. But there's someone that's going to put a mathematical equation to that, but I'm just going to go with the feeling that it's speeding up. And it's, it's still the number one key that I use to keep my growth mindset is just acknowledgement of that change. Uh, and to me, you know, when, when you say, how, why is it important and what does it mean to me? It just, it just means that. It means that when I wake up that I know today is going to be different than the day previous and I'm willing to keep working towards my goals and my commitments. And I, whatever I said the day previous and the week previous and the month previous, I mean it today. It, it evolves, it changes. And that's something you have to, to agree with or, or disagree with. You have to make that decision when it comes. But ultimately, a growth mindset is one that, that doesn't stay stagnant. A growth mindset is a mind that constantly looks to improve, that constantly looks to learn, that constantly looks to change. And that's what led me here today. You know, I, if I would have stayed in my path or, or you know, not taken risk or just refused that change, because none of the, none of like going on your own, starting to you know try to build the respect as an organization in the beginning without you know like I didn't have the traditional like I didn't leave a president position of a large corporation I didn't I didn't have a lot of corporate networking already established when I started my business I had a lot of startup work I had a lot of you know the small like the small medium businesses in our local area and our, our general region. I had a lot of things that I had to work on too. You know, I had to build all that. And I don't think any of it would have been possible if I woke up and my mindset was to stay the same. Excellent. And then uh, going on that, because you've had obviously a very interesting background in a lot of ways, you're showing that what you can achieve uh, is possible regardless of whether you've had either a formal career 
or um, or you're just starting out and you've decided you don't have all the answers, you don't necessarily have the network to begin with, but you have you have a vision and you have a goal and you're mm-hmm. just going to work at it and uh, use the resources that you do have, your wits, your energy, mm-hmm. your skills. But um, And then to get where you are is, is very impressive. I guess going through that career that you've had, what's the best piece of career advice you've received from a manager or a mentor maybe that helped you go so. in that right path? <laughs> this is this is a good one. I like this because so it's not it's it's actually neither. It, it's he was neither, he was not a mentor. He was not a coworker, a peer, anything like that. He was actually just someone that I seen all the time. He was a perfect stranger, and we seen each other at the gym actually of all places. And so early in my when I was like earlier in my career, I did a lot of different things. I, I always filled my clock. I worked, you know, two, three jobs, contracts, whatever it was do, I was doing to kind of build uh, the revenue up. And I spent a lot of time in fitness and exercise. So, you know, I was personal training. And that for me, that was how I brought in money while I was working out. because I worked out with a lot of my clients. And I, I I brought that into, you know, I had the marketing experience and then IT experience. So I went to sales for supplement companies and I was traveling a lot and working a lot with these kind of guys and, and gals. And I was in the gym and this guy, he always, he was loud. He just yelled and he was, he was big guy. He was cool, but I only knew him from the gym. I didn't really know who he was. I didn't, I don't even think I knew his, I don't remember his name. I don't know. I didn't know his name. And he came up to me one day and we had never had like a one-on-one conversation. And he, I mean, it's been years that I've been going to this gym, you know, and, and I was actively like, I was attempting to go into bodybuilding. You know, I was, I was growing. I was doing a lot of other things. I was doing other work. He seen me bring clients in. He seen me talk to people. And he said to me, he, he just walked up to me. He said, what are you doing here? It's been, I've been going here for years, literally years. And he said, what are you doing here? He sees me almost every day here. And I was like, I, I'm working out, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? And he said, no, I mean, like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I, I was very perplexed at this point. He kept asking me, what are you doing here? I was very confused. And he said, he said, you're, you're, you're eating around a bunch of animals that aren't up to your, your lion, right? Like your, your, your feet, you're coming to a gym where you have surpassed a lot of your peers and you have surpassed a lot of people. You've achieved more things. You're, you're bringing in clients. You know, you're, do, you're doing more than what you used to be doing. Why are you still at this gym? And it still didn't really make sense to me at first. And I started thinking about it. He kept going. He said, he said, if you stay around here, he said, look at these guys, look at these girls. He said, he said, can you grow yourself? He said, you're helping them at this point. He said, you're, you're giving a lot of your time, you're training them, you're coming here and you're helping them. He said, but you're not working on you anymore. He said, you're, you're more so just a, a top dog in your environment, a top line in your environment. And that is going to hold you there forever until you go into somewhere that's a little bit more uncomfortable, somewhere that's you know, he said it well, way, way more eloquently than I did, but he said, you need to be somewhere basically where you're eating with the lions. You're, you're the top dog here, but you need to go eat with lions. You need to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. And he, he started giving me other gyms, right? He said, go here, try this place, go to this place, go to this place. And I started going to these places and they were a lot different. They were a lot more hardcore. They were a lot of different. And he, and you know, his mindset was in fitness, right? And that's where I was working. But that kind of point stuck with me for a long time because we, you, community is very important. It does take a village, but there's a lot of people out there and a lot of people are working toward all different things. You, you ultimately will limit yourself if you don't put yourself in uncomfortable positions because at some point, change is inevitable. Evolution is inevitable. You will grow. I don't care what anyone says. We all progress. It just depends which way we progress, which, which, peak are we progressing towards 
And for me, every time I started to feel really comfortable, every time I started to feel like something was going right, you know, I reminded me of that conversation and I immediately got worried. I knew that I had to start feeling uncomfortable in what I was doing for work or what I was doing to, to bring in revenue or what I was doing to grow as a person. Because as soon as I started to feel comfortable, I knew that I was going to either get too comfortable and stay put or start to move backwards because the world never stops spinning. So for me, that was probably the best advice was to keep evolving in your environments. As you grow, as you progress, you know, learn to acknowledge it, learn to appreciate yourself, learn to give yourself credit and learn to, you know, know when an environment or a position or a situation doesn't serve you anymore. And when you need to bring that to another level, when you need to up your game, uh, quote unquote, because we do ultimately limit ourselves. And if we start to feel comfortable, we get really comfortable. And that's something that I've seen in a lot of people. It's something that I find in myself sometimes. It's something that it's actively and I proactively think about so I can compete with it because I know that ultimately it feels good to feel safe. It feels good to be comfortable, but it doesn't create growth. And for me, putting myself in positions where I might not know everything. Like I said, not the, always the smartest person in the room. You know, the determination to achieve it, to learn more, to grow from the people I'm around, ask questions, not be scared. And that really helped me is, you know, embracing the fear rather. Yeah, it can be intimidating being with people who are yeah. probably not your usual group. And mm-hmm. also kind of that's that's the first time I've heard that answer actually in a conversation. <laughs> so that's really interesting. It also reminds me of an expression someone said that we become the average of the four people we hang out with the most. So you imagine if you're um if you're hanging out with people who lower your average. And I didn't mm-hmm. like that because obviously you do you but then I guess you have to be strategic about what you're doing and who you associate with, not to just dismiss friends or establish relationships because yeah. on one level we all grow together, but at the same time you're also looking to find people who will challenge you, who will stretch mm-hmm. you, who will take you beyond what you think you're capable of. And it, it might be as it might sound harsh at times, but I mean there is people out there that just don't like they just don't have the they they don't want to keep pushing they they want to have an easy way out they don't have the 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 growth mindset you know they don't have that growth mindset there is and it, i think it's achievable by everybody but you, there's seven over seven billion people in the world you know you we're we only have so much time as we are in this life we only have so much you know ability we can only connect with so many people we can only impact so many people and that's why too like it's funny, like the, the influencers of our generation, like the mass they bring. I was just actually writing a paper on Mr. Beast. I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Beast, but he yeah, yeah. he created this, you know, this media empire from just absurdities, you know, and like it, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He can take his brand and make it a huge difference in a lot of people's lives, create businesses and things like that. But ultimately the people that he can actually intimately connect with, like and make it a giant, like a profound difference in their lives is limited, just like all of us. Like I can't sit and meet with everybody for this amount of time, like I, I'm doing with you, right, Dante? And I can't, I can't physically put all those hours into everybody that I meet because then it would pull away from my family. It would pull away from a, a lot of things that, you know, that are just as important to me. Like I, I think everyone is important, but 
you can only devote so much as one person. Then I think that's why it's like, I look at it as if I can work, if I can talk with you, Dante, if me and you have a really good friendship, you have a whole group of people that you impact. And that's how ultimately, and I do too, right? So you have impact on me and my group like knows about you and, and our friendship and that impacts them. So we impact different communities and cultures together, but as a one-on-one, it's just impossible. It's impossible to really sit down and give everyone that time. So you have to know what, you know, serves you and what you serve. So you can't pour from an empty glass if you're, if, you're, if you're staying stagnant and you are putting all your time and effort into someone that doesn't care, or someone that isn't willing, and you're convinced that they can change. That will hold you back. I mean, it's it's a it's a brutal part. It's a it's a very it makes me sound like an asshole kind of, but a part of my language. But um, it it really is true that there are people in this world that just don't want to keep moving forward. I agree, and it's yeah. amazing people possibly waste their time on low value tasks yeah. more so than they need to do because um, you have to be strategic <laughs> with your time. Mm. You can always earn more money, but you can't you can't you can't buy time. You can't buy time. Especially you've only got a limited number it's, of it's years the on most, this planet. Yeah. It's the most valuable asset we have is time. It's the only thing that actually has value is time. It's the thing we have the most of. I, I don't know anybody that has more time than the as long as their life. You know, like you, yeah. you eventually will run out of it. It's the only value that we've ever really traded with one another. I mean, monetary gains, you know, the currency that we invented comes and goes. Not even everyone accepts it, right? Like I can't go to China and use a U.S. dollar. I can't go to U.S. and use a yen. Currency is something that is cultural. It's perspective. Time is universal. Time is a true value. It's a true asset. And it's something that it's it's actually something that people are working, right? Like if you look at Jeff Bezos and what he puts money into, I mean, he's trying to de-age. He's trying to earn time. And we're actually achieving it. I mean, if you look at Barbara Streisand, for example, she's 81 years old. She, she does not look 81 years old. There's people that are achieving higher levels of, okay, I can live to be 105. I can live to be 100 and something. I think someone just passed away in Puerto Rico that was like 111. You know what I mean? So time is something that that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate asset. If you can learn to, if someone learns to create time, I would give anything to learn that. But, you know, that's what I really put my value down. So when I spend time with people like you, Dante, it's because I really believe in in you as a person. I really believe in us. I really believe in that putting my time here is is valuable because I know it is what you're creating. I know what you're a part of your mindset and who you are as a person. And that's the kind of thing I want to be around. That's the kind of thing I believe in. So that's where I spend my time is people like you, people that, that have similar visions to me, people that have opposite visions of me, but to the extreme, right? Like I, I keep people around that are complete antagonists to my lifestyle because I need that. I need to see the differences. I need to see the perspectives. I need to see everything that I can't at the moment. Eventually I will but only because other people like, and that's honesty too, right? Like I, I think being honest, that's, that boils back down to honesty. Like I would expect and respect you at the most, if you said things back to me that I didn't agree with, like, if you said, I think this, even though you think this, I love that. I need to know that. How else can I grow? Cause it might be the first time I've ever heard that perspective. It might be the 10th time. It might be anything, but it's, it's going to have an impact on me because I choose to spend my time with you and you chose to give me an honest feedback. And I'll do my best to continue that. <laughs> yeah, you've Sorry, been you, you've been you've been an asset to me, Dante. You 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 very are brilliant. You have a lot of great ideas. I, I think the stuff you've worked on is Im- immense. Uh, you're doing huge things. So I I try to stay around leaders, and that's that's how I see you. 
I admire you too. The feeling's more than mutual, my friend. And uh, in terms of time, I mean, I link it to productivity. So just um, from your perspective, what productivity tool or technique has unexpectedly proven to be the most invaluable for you? This is this is a little different, um, but meditation. So I think the grounding and, and realizing how much. So granted, we don't have all the time in the world and, and it is a limited resource, but we do have a lot more of it than we realize. I think meditation really helped me figure out that exact fact is that we do have we don't have anything more than time we you know there's nothing we have more of than time it's the only thing ultimately that we we all do have naturally and meditation grounded me to a point of you know sitting down and and feeling the kind of feelings that you you're supposed to engage in when you're meditating the 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 almost still time that you feel like things around you just kind of freeze you really get to paint a better picture of how you you're thinking how you're feeling what's going on and i always in, in comparison if that doesn't make sense to somebody listening think of a sense of when you're anxious or when you're rushing or when like your heart's racing and you're and you're fluttering it feels like you have no time at all it feels like you know panic it feels like the world's crashing in you need to get something done you're, you're anxious you're 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 shaking even some people meditation for me kind of helps me bring that peace into those moments. So when things do feel hectic and things feel crazy, because it's normal, that's, I mean, my heart races in meeting, my, my fingers start to sweat, I get chills in the back of my neck, you know, I, I get my stomach drops sometimes. But when I practice every day and sit down and really like self-center and, and understand my, my feelings and thoughts and why it's happening, freeze time for a little bit. I carry that over with me in my meetings. I carry that over and it kind of subsides my, my stomach. It, 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 it calms the, the tickles on my neck and it makes the sweat kind of dry up a little bit more when I realize that, you know, we're all just going through this. <laughs> we're all just spending time figuring things out. We're all just trying to understand ourselves a little bit better. We're all trying to communicate a little bit better. And even though it's a little untraditional, I would say to like, you know, maybe someone saying, Asana really helps me with time management. Uh, Kanban boards really helps me with time management. For me, I think just the grounding of meditation really helps me with time management because it, it prevents a lot of anxiety for me. And anxiety is the biggest time killer in my world. You can, it, it's also a, a health issue as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we talk about mental health. If, you, if you're having sleepless nights because you can't self-regulate your emotional mm -hmm. state and that impacts your physical state, then, you know, it's, it's always going to have a, a knock-on effect mm -hmm. as you go throughout your, your weeks and months and possibly in your years. So I think, yeah, high-pressure situations, you know, they create diamonds. So I think, I think that's But you have to be able to make sure that it doesn't break you completely. Correct. You know, it will yeah. stress you out, but you have to find ways to deal with that stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, meditation is amazing. It, it gives you the practice of being able to disassociate yourself from the situation at hand mm -hmm. in a necessary way because you can be in the moment without being too too emotionally involved in, mm -hmm. in a sense. And, and if you can detach yourself, you can maybe view the situation in a more holistic context than mm -hmm. rather thinking self we all get into that amygdala hijack where we're in flight or fight or flight and then you can't think you're just you're just reacting right you're mm -hmm. you're you're winging it and that's that's not not always a good thing so being able to keep you calm especially in those pressure situations is critical so yeah and thanks thanks for bringing up meditation as well because it's not one i've heard in either in a while so i mean 
coming back to time besides meditation what else do you do in your spare time I, i'm a big reader I, I think reading is one of the, the last true ways that we can transfer data you know like mm. personally you know we, we transfer data all day on the internet but it has a lot less of an impact when you're reading someone's words in my opinion so reading articles reading books written by people i'm, I'm a paper guy i'm a, I'm a mm. hard paperback hardback kind of guy and i actually so i'm holding a book right now that i i really really love and it's it's called lateral thinking by edward de bono he's you know there's actually movies about him there's one he remade one with kevin hart as well but you know he's just a thinker lateral thinking is his idea of you know we think in the terms of how he describes it as up or down you know but lateral thinking is side to side so sometimes you know in the book he describes it as digging straight down or straight you know like we're digging a hole straight down we're trying to get deeper and deeper and deeper but sometimes there's a huge benefit of digging a hole next to that hole and starting over and and that is a very blunt way to put his idea of lateral thinking so he describes that he goes into depth about you know different ways to think about things you know this is a, a practice or a mindset you can put yourself into maybe think differently about that issue that you're going through and achieve a, a goal that you're trying to achieve. So besides reading and doing things like that, I went on a tangent because I really like this book. But, you know, exercise, mm -hmm. friends and family. I try to do normal things. I try to spend my time, you know, going to events, absorbing art, absorbing music, absorbing what it is to be human, what it is to be a person walking around the world. Just have fun. I think everything is nothing. Not everything has to be serious. I, I have a very business outlook on everything, including life. But I think fun is wrapped up into that. So when I'm not, and admittedly, I'm, I'm not often not working on some kind of a piece of you know technical paperwork or contracts with some of my partners and things like that. When I when I am not, I like to do a concert, comedy shows. You know, we were just at a festival yesterday. That's. Uh, it, it's a local town that they put together a fair and it's like a little carnival. Mm -hmm. I mean, admittedly, I was there to meet someone, but we still got to experience it and have fun. You know, we went to a Kevin Hart comedy show not that long ago. So I, we just got to keep it entertaining and interesting. You know, you spend time with doing things for nothing. You can't always, you know, yeah, sometimes you just have to let go, go to the beach and read a book, go to go lay down and, and absorb the sun. Yeah, totally. I mean, you have to be a well-balanced human being, right? It's not yeah. all about the work, it's yeah. all about the hustle, <laughs> yeah. despite what people think. That is part of the hustle, I think. Yeah. I think it's part of the hustle. I think it's effort to go out and take care of yourself. It's yeah. effort to go and enjoy those things. There's people out there, Dante, that I've met that you can take them to any event, any kind of show, any anything that's what I would have a great time at or what someone else would have a great time at, and they'd just be utterly miserable. It's work. It's all everything. Mm -hmm. Life always ultimately always down to you working at it. But if you don't ever do it, if you don't ever go to a concert, if you don't ever go enjoy a festival, if you don't ever go and, and enjoy something, you're not going to know how to. So, no. Thank you. Oh, God, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I'm down to my last question. And you've already partially answered it in terms of Edward de Bono's lateral <laughs> thinking. And Edward de Bono, Six Thinking Hats, Critical Thinking, he's been he's been someone who I've admired for a while. So thanks for that. Uh, what three books would you recommend to your listeners on why? So Lateral Thinking by Edward de Bono, Creativity Step by Step, absolutely is a must. I think creativity, you need that in your life, right? I don't care if you are a CPA doing someone's finances and you need to be pinpoint on every decimal. You still need to be creative. You still have to. It's just so important. I'm actually in front of some of my, my books, so I'm going to pull one out. 
so this one really had a huge impact on me. Cal, Dal Carnegie, Carnegie actually is how you say it, Dal Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is one of the first copies, which actually has, if you get an early copy, first or second, third edition, it's before his wife edited it. So there's actually two chapters in it that were taken out later. There's a, a little different perspective and how he has uh, communications with some people in the book. It's interesting. I have both copies. I have a later one and I have or a newer one and an older one. For me, I, earlier books, the earlier I can get it, the better because it's the least edited. I like the least edited. I like the raw thoughts. Yeah. And then, you know, so uh, let's see. I want to do a good one. You know, I have so many books that have a, a huge impact on me. There's, there's two. The, the one I'm not going to talk about a lot is The Private Life of Solomon, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, look it up if you don't know about Solomon. But this is the third one that I want to mention that really had a big impact on me. And this is Napoleon Hill. I don't know if it's kind of blurred. But no, it's actually Laws of Success. Oh, wow. So it's the 16 Laws of Success. So this was something that led into Think and Grow Rich. Uh, these are like kind of the laws that it was based on. Everyone always mentions Think and Grow Rich, but no one ever yeah. mentions this. And I, I don't ever know why, because this is the big one. This is the one. If you actually were to go and try to find this collection, it's 16 yeah. different books or like, say, you know, a, a good amount of books. I just have a large collection of all the, the laws, but it goes through, you know, everything. It, confidence, leadership, success, failure, everything kind of we just talked about because Mm. there is no one, we're dynamic. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us successful. All of those things matter, no matter what your profession is, no matter what you're doing, whether it is, whether you're a trapeze artist in a circus or you're doing like an IT transformation, all of those things come into play. Self-confidence, persistence, you know, mindset, leadership, how you handle other people involved in every single business industry worldwide. So the three I'm going to choose are Lateral Thinking by Edward DeBono, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dal Carnegie, and The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Thank you very much, Zach. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening into this podcast. This is your host, Dante Healy, interviewing Zachary Italian, and I will have Zachary's contact details in the show notes. Zachary, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dante. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations.